It's Live in the Bream with the host of Fox News Sunday, Shannon Bream. This week on Live in the Bream, I thought we'd take a look back at all of the lovely and insightful conversations we've had this year. I feel so blessed and grateful that you all were right there with me as we navigated this past year from discussions on faith and family to reporting on breaking news. So let's revisit a few conversations, starting with pastor and author Ben Stewart. One of the first things you did was say, write out 1 Timothy 4.16. So I actually wrote it in the margins of the book right there. So I have it. It says, watch your life and doctrine closely persevere in them, because if you do, you will save both yourself and your hearers. What's that about? Yeah, I love it because it's the Apostle Paul talking to young Timothy and he's saying, be a student of your doctrine. Know what you believe, Timothy, like learn about the God who made you and how the world works. But then he says, be a student of you, like watch yourself. You, You are in charge of guiding your own life. So be a student of you and watch. Um if we all struggle, how does it get you? What what are the particular tactics the enemy deploys to discourage you, dishearten you? What are things you need to do to come alive? And so I I think there's a freedom. If you can get past the shame in life to just go, no, let me strategize. We'll be a student of you and go, all right, if all of us are tempted, where does the enemy get me? What lies do I believe? Mm -hmm. Um, What sad, broken places do I go to escape intolerable feelings? (laughs) Well, okay. If, What's the path that leads me there? How do I walk back off off that path? How do I back away from the insanity and make different choices? And uh, I think it starts by being a good student of yourself. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you talk in that next section to really look and resist your first impulses if you've figured out that they're going to lead you to a tough place Um, and really being able to backtrack from that horrible hole that you end up in sometimes with what got you there because it isn't just like you look up one day and say i want my life to be miserable and um controlled by something that is destructive to me or to my family or to people that i love um you say it's easier to resist the river of temptation when it's a tiny stream not a raging waterfall yeah you got to keep way ahead of temptation and obviously you talk about how the enemy you know knows what your weak points are going to look for them. So we got to know them for ourselves and make decisions 10 steps before we get there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, you mentioned it, um, we were talking earlier about even the pandemic, you know, when it started for me, I thought like every good leader, I need to research and figure out all the data and discern the best things. So first thing in the morning, I'm reading every article and every, and then I just realized why am I anxious all the time? Why am I <laughs> short with my children? Why is suddenly everyone stupid and stressing me out? And I'm like, Oh, wait a minute. Just, if I don't like the outcomes, let me analyze the inputs. Let me be a student of me and going, starting with chaos first thing in the morning does not produce good outcomes in the life of Ben. So I can beat myself up or take it out on people or I go, mm, let me switch strategies. And for me, I need quiet in the morning, cast mm-hmm. my anxieties upon the Lord because he cares for me, Same. the Bible says. And if I do that, then I can engage life from a place of of grace and kindness and preparation rather than reaction. And so I realized, Hey, I have to make some strategic adjustments. And when I do that, the Bible gives us that it gives us that roadway and Philippians four to do that. And once you become a student of yourself and sort of learn, Oh, let me make some tweaks. Then it becomes fun and you don't beat yourself up as much, but you go, let me, let me figure out how to struggle well so I can make progress. 
Well, it's been almost three years since COVID upended our lives. It's taken a permanent toll on our interpersonal relationships. I had the pleasure of speaking with the author of Find Your People, Jenny Allen, on how to combat feelings of isolation. You talk about all kinds of things, how we can work through them, the kinds of friends that we need. You talk about specific goals that we have and the things that stand in their way. The very first one is about proximity and the barrier is busyness. And who can't relate to that? Oh, I mean, it is probably, you know, it's interesting. I've loved this project because I've gotten to hear everybody's stories about friendship for them. And it's so different. This was not an easy book to write because everybody's barriers and struggles and feelings about friendship and experience of friendship are all over the place, right? It's, it's not just one problem we've got, we've got so many. And so busyness was probably the most common one, but it was cool. As I did the research, I was able to say quickly, Busyness is not our enemy, actually, because in the busyness are people, even if it's by Zoom, even if it's limited to a certain medium or you probably in your busyness are passing people every day. So it actually became an asset to think what are who are the people you're already with? Because proximity was the most helpful thing in villages in Rwanda and villages in past times. If you could just be together in the same environment, in the same place without doors, right? They didn't have a lot of, you go to a village in Rwanda, a lot of them don't have doors. Um, They have fires in the middle of their village where they come and, and cook and, and talk to each other. So, so there was definitely some certain things that I thought, Hey, we could take these into our lives. And certainly we probably still need to lock our doors where we live, but even if it's just more access and, and knocking on a friend's door without being invited and, and, and basically acting like we're, um, we're in better proximity than we are. And, and so the busyness doesn't scare me so badly as, as I thought it would in this project, because it scares everybody else. My hope is that people see the people that are in their busyness and notice, Hey, this is the makings of a village. I could start to spend time with these people in a deeper way as we're doing life together beside each other anyway. And, and that could start to change everything. I'd be remiss not to look back at my conversation with a former chief counsel for nominations to Senate Judiciary Chairman Chuck Grassley and founder of the conservative Article 3 project, Mike Davis, on that leak of the Supreme Court draft opinion to overturn Roe v. Wade. You and I have have discussed many of these things, the premature leak of Justice Breyer's retirement announcement, the whole mask gate thing when there was misinformation out there about um, the chief or Justice Sotomayor begging other justices to wear masks and Justice Gorsuch refusing and there being a spat there. I mean, it's been super weird this term. Um, But to the point about who would have had access to this and making this decision to leak this, the person would have to know if they were caught, their legal careers over, whether they're support staff, whether they're a clerk. I mean, what kind of calculation do you think this person has made? Yeah, I mean, it's, I just cannot imagine that it would be a Supreme Court justice who did this. I mean, they, they, that would just be unthinkable. They have to work with each other the rest of their lives. That would destroy their careers. It would destroy their lives. And so it just, it's not, it's not even, it's not even thinkable that it's a Supreme Court justice. So therefore it would have to be either a law clerk or one of these other staff members. Uh, And I guess technically it could be an IT person. They can get to the bottom of that. But man, if, if you're a, if you're a law clerk, this is a once in a lifetime opportunity to serve on the Supreme Court of the United States. People are dying for this. I hope 
uh, you know, I help Justice Gorsuch with his screening committee. They they get thousands and thousands of applicants for, oh, for yeah. law students, lawyers, even experienced lawyers who want to serve as a law clerk uh, to this on the Supreme Court of the United States. You have this golden ticket. Once you get there, you have this uh, credential for the rest of your life. And if you're willing to blow that up, even for a, what you think is a monumental case, I mean, it's just very, very short sighted that you're willing to blow up your own legal career. You're going to get fired if you're caught. You're going to get disbarred if you're caught. And you're probably going to get prosecuted if you're caught. So you're willing to throw everything away for one for one case, even a big case. It's just a, a, a head scratcher to me. Well, what do you make of, I think it was a professor at Yale, and correct me if I'm wrong, if you know this story, I've had a couple of people send it to me, the comments where he said, listen, I wouldn't be surprised if it was a clerk, because in his estimation, uh, there are people graduating who are very much um, activists and feel like if this is their change to or their chance to impact history in a way that they think is a positive, that sort of the ends justifies the means and that they are um, very driven by that idea. I mean, what do you make of that assessment? Well, it's just changed. Uh, you know, if, if, if you have activists who think that they have to put their ideology above their legal ethics, their legal duties, uh, it, it's, it's a head scratcher to me. I will say that what has happened here by leaking this opinion to the ex- let's go with the hypothesis that this was a left wing law clerk who leaked this because this person is trying to change a justice's vote on Dobbs, on overturning Roe versus Wade and Casey before the, the court issues the opinion in June. Um, let's say that that was your in, intent going into this, and that was your intent leaking this. And even if you are uh, delusional enough to think that, you know, that that's that's for the, the, the public good that you're going to leak this this uh, opinion and try to change a vote. Um, it's going to have the opposite effect, because now that this opinion's out there, the justices, if they change their vote now, it looks like they are cowing to political pressure, which is the last thing that you want to do as a Supreme Court justice. Yeah. So what about the theory that has, you know, a couple of people come to me about, OK, what if this leak came from on the right? What if uh, the five were together on that opinion that Alito was writing and maybe somebody was being pulled away and there was a fear that the majority opinion was going to turn into something else. It was going to be watered down from what Alito and the five, at least five people, since it was entitled the opinion of the court, um, had wanted and that this was pressure actually from the right, not the left. Does that make any sense to you? I mean, it's 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 certainly deflection. I mean, everything that I'm seeing online from the left wing Twitterverse is that they're cheering on this leaker mm-hmm. and they're very happy that this leaker did this and they're praising this leaker. Uh, if it came from right, it would see, it would be such overkill. It'd be like a, I, I, it's like a nuclear bomber blowing up a tank. It's just such overkill for what you're trying to accomplish. And it, it just, it's, it's so disproportionate. It, it's such a disproportionately bad thing to do for what you're trying to accomplish. I just, it just doesn't seem plausible to me. Okay, so where do we go from here? I know that you are among those who believe the court has to get this opinion out. I mean, the justice, chief justice in his statement said, this is not going to alter the way that we work at the court at all. Some, you know, we're trying to parse that. Does that mean like, okay, we still wait till the end of June for this thing? Does it mean um, he hurries them up and says, drop everything else you're doing? Let's get the dissents and concurrences done. Clean up the majority and let's get this thing out the door. I think that the court has to get this opinion out as quickly as possible. And I think they need to do this for a couple of reasons. Number one, these justices 
are in personal danger now because you have a lot of deranged people out there who think that they can take the law into their own hands and change the outcome of this case based upon their knowledge of the vote lineup right now. And that is a very dangerous place for these justices to be. They have security. I'm not going to talk about their security. I dealt with their security when I was on the Supreme Court as a law clerk. I dealt with their security when I was the chief counsel for nominations where I had oversight over the federal judiciary. But they need to get you have people who are willing to risk everything to change the outcome of this case. And I, I think we need to get this case out there very fast for that reason. The second reason is, is that we need to, the court needs to punch back very strongly and make it very clear that we are going to protect judi- judicial independence here. And you're not going to be able to change the outcome of cases through one of the worst acts, which is internal sabotage of the judicial process. You're not going to have some internal zealots try to change the outcome uh, of, of a case. Remember, you're not going to, there are parties involved with these cases. Sometimes we forget that there are due process rights involved with these parties in these cases and people win or lose a lot in these cases. And it's not just, you know, precedent and how it affects everyone else. There are people, there are real stakes involved in this case and they need to get out this case as quickly as possible. We'll have more live in the bream in a moment. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. What's the first thing you'd do if you had an extra hour in your day? Go for a run, take a nap, read a book, show up for a friend? A lot of us spend our lives wishing we had more time. The question is, time for what? If time was unlimited, how would you use it? The best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is to know what's important to you and make it a priority. Therapy can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of it. Therapy is helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who've experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash bream today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash bream. This year, I also got to visit with my friend, iconic TV personality, singer, songwriter, and author, Kathy Lee Gifford, who was joined by her co-author, Rabbi Jason Sobel. I was reading this morning about the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and how King Nebuchadnezzar, they were going to be punished because they wouldn't worship these false gods. And he said, you're all getting thrown in the furnace and um, heated up to seven times what it would normally be. And they were like, okay. Um, And that whole conversation and those lines you hear from them when they're going to be punished because they will only um, vow their allegiance to God, the one true God that they believed in. And and they said, um, we believe that he can save us from all of this, but even if he doesn't, we will not turn from him and serve, you know, these other false gods and how, you know, Nebuchadnezzar, who had had them as, you know, leaders of some type, he, his heart was turned against them and they were thrown into the furnace so hot that the people who threw them in got killed. Um, And then they see a fourth person walking around in there and Nebuchadnezzar is saying, wait a minute, didn't we throw three guys in there and how they have, you know, the spirit of God with them. They come out so unscathed that even their clothes don't smell like when I've been sitting by a campfire last week and my hair smelled like campfire for three days. These guys smelled like nothing. And Nebuchadnezzar was so impressed that he said, 
no one can speak against their God. And if they do, they can be chopped up and, and, you know, the, the end of them. And I was struck by the, the, what you were saying, Rabbi, about how when we walk through difficult things, it is a strengthening of us. It's a testing of our faith and our struggle can be a witness to other people because then Nebuchadnezzar at the end of that is like, okay, they have the real deal. And I think people are looking for a real deal, Kathy Lee. Oh, there's, uh, the, the most lacking thing in all of television has been for quite a long time, authenticity. You know, just everybody trying to outdo the other person and be smarter and be that. But, but very few people just being who they are. And I think, Shannon, that's why you're doing so extremely well. Not only are you, you know, you're, you're your own unique, beautiful, authentic self, but then you show up totally prepared and you've done your homework, too. Hmm, it can't you. just show up and be you. you got to be ready for it. you got to do your homework and you gotta, you got to respect the work that you do and the people who you work for. Mm-hmm. It's a combination of those things. But those are the ones that I mean, I'm so grateful. People say, how are you so bold for God? I said, because how could I not be? Look what Jesus has done for me. And he told me he was going to use me in that world. He told me as a child that he would use me in the entertainment world. He was going to give me everything I needed. And he does. And I said, Lord, give me the same love I have naturally for the executive producer who signs the check. Give it to it for the person that cleans the toilet and the lady. Just let me not ever separate the secular from the spiritual. I am one person who serves Jehovah God and is the daughter of the king and show up that person every time be the same person that shows up wherever you are and wherever you go because in him we live and move and have our being it the, the scripture does not say in him we we go to visit him once a week <laughs> in a building and sing some songs and learn a story and you know i'm not putting down church but i'm saying if that's all you've got you you're missing out rabbi is the first to tell you what you're missing out on if you don't understand that Numbers in the scripture are incredibly important. The stars in the sky, incredibly important. All the things that we were told as Western Christians, don't do that. That's of the devil. It could not be further from the truth, right, Rabbi? Yeah, absolutely. And I think that this hope is rooted in promise. It's rooted in knowing God's hand is in control, that even when you can't see his hand, you can trust his heart. But it's also rooted in faith. And, you know, there's God wants to, to build our faith, but yet the world around us, there's so much fear. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting because in John 21, we talk about this in the book, the disciples are fishing all night and they catch nothing. And the Hebrew word for fish is also the word, the root word is for anxiety and worry. And when you fish from a place of fear and anxiety, that's the reason why the disciples' nets were left empty, right? Peter had denied the Lord. He thought, there's no future left for me. Surely I'm not going to be the rock anymore. I blew it. So he goes fishing. And, you know, Jesus says, cast the net again on the right side of the boat. The right side is the side of love and 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 God's promise. And he has this full catch of net in a fish. And so God doesn't want us to live from a place of fear because our lives will be left empty. Our relationships will be left empty. He wants us to trust him to live from this place of faith so that we can experience the fullness of what he has for us. And sometimes that's not easy, but we have to not believe the lies and we have to believe the promises of what God says. 
All right, we all know how contentious the 2022 midterm elections were, so I called in some experts to help us navigate through, including the anchor of Special Report and host of both All-Star Panel and the Brett Bear podcast. You guessed it, Brett Bear. Okay, so we have power rankings. We know what's going on in the House. You know, the talk is Democrats are just trying to stem the the tide of losses that history would tell us they're going to get anyway in a president's first midterm, not good for his party generally. Give me your take on the House. Where do you think we land Tuesday night? So I think, Shannon, the more surprising thing would be if Democrats stem the tide and keep it to single digits or low teens. That would be a more surprising story. I think more likely is that Republicans continue this momentum that they've had over the past few weeks, and it gets north of 20, maybe up to you know, 35, if you start going into the 40 number, uh, you're talking about a really, really big majority, considering the fact that they held their own, you know, they held serve basically last election, Mm -hmm. uh, Republicans did in the House. So uh, everything we're seeing, every poll on, on the generic congressional ballot is tilting Republicans way, sometimes by five, six points in the last time the polling institutions put out their polls. Uh, So now it's R plus four, R plus five, you know, depends on the poll that you're looking at. But clearly there's a momentum for Republicans. And the question is just how much? So we've asked this question. I know you have, and I have with many lawmakers who are trying to convince uh, folks that they should vote GOP. And they make a lot of promises just like everybody does in an election. So a couple of things. First of all, What will they be able to get done if they do take the House, Um, even if the Republicans and we'll talk separately about the Senate, if they take that, there's a president sitting there with a veto. Exactly. And that's, you know, it's like the the dog that caught the car. Mm -hmm. Uh, What are you going to get through? And it will change the dynamic in Washington. It will force sides to negotiate. And um, there's a lot of people that say that's a good thing. You know, Mitch McConnell, the Senate Minority Leader, is campaigning on this message that, you know, we will make, elect us to control the Senate. We will make Joe Biden the moderate candidate he campaigned to be. And um, I think that that's, you know, the way forward as far as legislating. Uh, the, the question on the Senate is is kind of an individual race by race basis. Uh, they need to pick up two, Republicans do, two of the four of the toss-ups. And um, I think they're poised to do that. I mean, there's some polls suggesting they could pick up all four, at which point then some other races become possible. You know, the lean Democratic races, that's the New Hampshire's, and the Washington states of the world, Mm -hmm. which seem totally out of it at the beginning, uh, not so much as we get closer to election day. This last guest, I feel, truly sets the tone as we embark on a new year. She's a number one New York Times bestselling author, host of the Faulkner Focus and co-host of Outnumbered, the lovely Harris Faulkner. You wanna teach people that there's more than just the ask, that God answers prayers too. So in the healing I write, Lord God, in your hand are all the times and all seasons. You hold our souls in troubled times and you comfort us in sickness. If it be your will, 
Grant strength and health to my body as Jesus healed the sick who came to him. Grant me the wholeness of soul that will draw me closer to you because there is no true health apart from your presence and your love brings perfect strength. In all the workings of your will, may the Holy Spirit grant peace to my soul, come what may. Amen. There's a story in the book how Danny met Doug. She was told she'd never walk again, and that is that is a powerful story because she was young when they said it to her, the doctors. They put that young woman in her 20s in a nursing home because oh, they didn't know where goodness. else to put her. So all of her friends were like 90, and they kept dying. Well, like me. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just feel this kinship with older people. Well, you know what? Because you're and wise. Well, and she you, probably has You are my wise friend, by the way. I don't way. know about that. You Maybe are. Maybe just I'm an old soul, but I love that she had the experience and the privilege of these older friends, but I'm sure it was lonely at times it was for her lonely. as a young person. It was lonely, and it was also a reminder of we're all going in one direction. Mm-hmm. And no matter what the Lord does in your life, if you let Him, He can make whatever your journey is so much richer. Mm-hmm. But we will eventually all perish. And she was faced with that on a daily basis, and it would have been easy for her only to concentrate on that, and as a young woman to give up, but she didn't, and she continued on with her faith, and really believing that somehow, some way, she would walk again, and she met the love of her life at a nursing home. He was one of the the techs who was helping people, the medical techs, and they were about the same age. And he, he just couldn't believe she was there. Like, what are you doing here? Are you lost? Are you visiting somebody? <laughs> She's like, I'm in a wheelchair. Who would I be visiting? Um, and she, they had traked her as well. She had all sorts of other issues. But boy, did she have an electric smile. And she said, I wouldn't have met Doug had she not been where she was. Mm-hmm. And it's just such a beautiful story. That's one of my favorites. Um And, and you know, what happens in the end, I won't spoil it, there are miracles every day. Keep praying, everybody. Mm -hmm. They happen all around us. They do. And some days, Harris, I just pray, help me to see them. You know, like, Lord, I know your presence is around. I know there are these beautiful things happening. Don't let me get caught up on, you know, I'm so mad. I'm, I'm stuck in traffic and this, that, and the other, and this it's didn't so go the true. way I wanted. And or me yelling at my kids. What are you doing? You put another <laughs> thing on my schedule? How could you promise Paulette that I was going to do this? Exactly. I'm going to stay up all night and make homemade goodies for tomorrow. I, you promised like, the you other just... kid's mom that I was doing something? Right. <laughs> Thanks for signing mom up. Um, yeah. <laughs> but so what I'll say to myself is like, I know these things are all around me. I know in the midst of even, you know, you and I, we've gone out, you cover natural disasters and things like the Ernestine story, or you're out with people that are in such painful situations. I think about as a local reporter, fires and destruction and kidnappings and and terrible things. But we always know that God is working in the midst of that. So some days I just pray, help me to have my eyes open for the good stuff and to see the miracles because they are there. Yes. And, and, you know, One of the things that I tell people in the book and in person is this. If the Lord has put a divine assignment on your heart and you don't do it, that's your choice. But remember, he made a really important choice by choosing you for that assignment. Mm -hmm. So don't be surprised if it just nags at your heart to where you almost end up doing it. 
just just mm-hmm. what is that nagging? I can't I don't know what that is. If something is really that heavy on your heart, pray about it. Let the Lord quicken to you the short route to get there, which is through him. <laughs> right. I mean, exactly. We could be Jonah running halfway around the oh world to get goodness. away from our assignment. Great example. Or, or we can say, listen, I feel overwhelmed. But the thing is, with those assignments, we don't have the gifting or the capability or the resource or whatever we need sometimes for these things that we're called to. But the great thing is he's got everything. He can do it. And then yes. we can't take the credit because it's not us. I mean, to me, I'm glad I'm not running the universe. And sometimes I know I try. Oh, but no, you'd be great. They fire me. The <laughs> <laughs> universe is like you're fired. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but we all have a little bit of control freak in us. And I have to fight that. But it's comforting to let go and know. All right. God's got this. He's got all the resources. Yeah. And if he's called me to X, he's going to equip me to do it. This year was full of twists and turns, heartbreak and inspiration fueled by the people. They're so brave. The people of Ukraine. There were landmark Supreme Court rulings like the end of Roe v. Wade, that red tsunami that turned out to be more of a ripple and shocking crimes that grabbed headlines and are still unsolved. But we also saw the goodness of neighbors and the beauty of our first responders in the aftermath of things like Hurricane Ian reminding us of the good that is in this world. I hope 2023 brings you and all of your loved ones plenty of blessings and joy. And we will keep looking for those too right here on Live in the Bream. Listen ad-free with a Fox News Podcast Plus subscription on Apple Podcasts. And Amazon Prime members can listen to this show ad-free on the Amazon Music app. 